Hey, what up? It's Podcast Rebellion. We are back at it again for the second time in a week. I know everyone is shocked and uh, just at a loss for words because we went a month without talking to y'all, but we're back. We're here in the Davis McCord State Farm Studio. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Joining me momentarily is Juco All-American. We're going to talk all kinds of recruiting. It's been a busy uh, last couple weeks here for Lane Kiffin and the staff, but before we do that, we're going to remind you of the folks that make the show possible. I mentioned we are in the Davis McCord State Farm Studio. If you uh, need good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, then look no further than Mr. McCord. He's your one-stop shop in Tennessee and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. Call him at 901-755-6110 for your surprisingly great rates today. We are also brought to you by Transamerica Insurance. They are changing the way that you look at life insurance. Rated best term life insurance company in 2020 by Forbes. Transamerica offers you 10, 20, and 30-year term life insurance catered to your individual needs. Go ahead and give Drew Moak a call. Ask about their living benefits option, and you can get a free quote when you call him at 601-953-8449. He's licensed in Mississippi, Tennessee, and Texas, among others, and he can help you get started today. That's 601-953-8449. Give Transamerica Insurance and Drew a call today. Juco, good afternoon. How are we doing? Man, doing well. I'm uh, excited to talk about some crouton. But yeah, it's nice to have two podcasts for the price of one this week. That's right. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I apologize to the listeners um, in our episode earlier this week when we previewed the SEC East. I've been uh, awfully busy um, outside of Red Cup Rebellion and uh, other stuff and what have you. So uh, it was supposed to say, just blame me. It's all on me. Just get in my mentions and yell at me all you want. Um, but we're back and, uh, I think we're about seven weeks out of week zero. So we're starting to ramp things up for, uh, for college football. Um, I mean, Labor Day will be here before you know it, but, uh, before we get into that, we are going to talk recruiting. I mentioned it, um, in the intro, it was an incredibly busy end of June and beginning of July for this staff. So I know that you're excited to, to get talking about it. Oh yeah. It was, uh, it was fun to see us go from like two commits to a gazillion uh, in, in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. So if you, if you've, uh, if you uh, have been somewhere without any cell phone service or if you have been in hibernation, maybe living under a rock or uh, you just don't like the internet, uh, Ole Miss had two commitments in their 2022 class for, uh, for most of the year. Uh, Larry Simmons, a wide receiver out of Moss Point, and Marquez Dorch, a uh, athlete out of Lucidale, Mississippi, were both committed um, in January, uh, both in-state commits. And then uh, the staff was extremely diligent, thorough, um, very selective, all of those buzzwords that you want to hear. Um, and then when camp season started, they uh, really started to hone in on who they wanted. And then, uh, man, come June 26th, uh, it was just kind of a, a wave of momentum. If you will, you had the uh, Juco linebacker Reginald Hughes out of Boonville committed. Taylor Groves, the athlete outside of Nashville, who was a former Michigan commit, he committed. And then uh, Kyron Heath, the uh, tight end out of Mansfield, Texas, he committed. And then after that, man, once July hit, you had four-star Xavier Harris, four-star Jacarius Clayton, and then uh, three three-stars in Preston Cushman. Timmy Gagafine and Jeremiah Dillon. So um, I guess I just reeled off all eight of those names to you that, that joined the class that is now ranked 45th. I know that a lot of people were grumbling about that team ranking. I mean, it jumped over 40 point or over 40 spots, I should say, 
in the uh, rivals team rankings with this flurry. But uh, I guess who stands out to you? Who are you most excited about? And um, kind of who do you expect to uh, really hit the ground running once they report to campus? Yeah, I mean, uh, Xavier Harris is the is the player I'm most excited about. I think that's maybe a bit of a cop out because he's also like the highest rated of them. But, um, you know, he's a defensive tackle from Madison. Uh, he goes to Germantown High School. Uh, he is huge. I think he's like six six three thirty or something like that. Um, yeah, I guess. Do you remember when know. you were six six and three thirty in high school? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, he. I should say, as an aside, we should be glad that Ole Miss does not have defensive tackles that are me in high school mm-hmm. because uh, I was like one seventy five. But no, he is uh, you know super uh, quick agile for his size um and i think that you know we've we've shown time and time again that the times that Ole Miss has a very effective defense are predicated on a defensive line and so having taiwan malone last year xavian harris already locked up in this class along with other people last year too right like talik robbins mm-hmm. and uh the chukos and everything um is just foundational and you know something to build around. I also think that there's value in getting a Xavier Harris in the first week of July, the first day of July, uh, mm-hmm. because it allows you to go to other defensive players and say like you're not going to be alone. You've got this guy up front who's going to be clogging the middle and you know can help you make plays and uh, you know make Sports Center highlights that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean it's a hell of a hell of a sales pitch to uh, any linebackers that are looking at Ole Miss. And it's like, look, man, we, we got this guy right here that can uh, that can help you out, can, uh, you know, take up some some blockers for you so you can kind of run free. Um, and then another guy that's, that's right there next to Xavier and right in Mississippi, another just humongous guy, Jacarius Clayton out of Tupelo, 6'6", 275. Um, I'll tell you what, he really shined at some rivals camps earlier this spring. Um, I think a lot of people were surprised at, at how, I guess I'm trying to think of the term, I mean, just very flexible, very bendy, um, can, can really extend and, uh, you know, has great leverage on the outside. But, you know, at, at that size, I mean, he gives you a ton of flexibility. He can move down inside because he's so big at 275. He's also 6'6", so he's got some length to disrupt some passing lanes. But he's athletic enough to get out there on the outside and, and really disrupt things from a uh, pass rush standpoint. So those two guys right there are some bookend defensive linemen that you can build around for 2022. Yeah. One thing I would say about Jacarius Clayton uh, is you mentioned uh, potentially pushing him inside or something like that. Um, I think that, this is also something we should have mentioned for Xavier Harris. Uh, since the coaches seem to want to run a base of a three, four, three, three, five ish kind of look uh, it, Xavier Harris serves as this nose, right? This guy like in the middle. Uh, mm-hmm. It's tough to imagine Jacarius Clayton at his current size. Again, like there's plenty of ways he could bulk up and everything, but uh, getting big enough to be able to make that make sense when they're in that pa- in those packages, I'm sure there are going to be plenty of times that they switch to four down and all that sort of stuff. And then you've got a guy who comes in. Uh, but in, in terms of base, it seems like he would be, I actually don't know enough about the three, four, honestly, to differentiate between strong side and weak side defensive end. I, I 
I think their assignments are relatively similar. I'm sure somebody's going to be like, no, no, the weak side defensive end has responsibility for blah, blah, blah. But, uh, <laughs> it, but because they're all overmatched in terms of quantity, I, I think that they are, you know, all tasked with kind of eating up blockers and kind of preventing mm-hmm. losing contain all that sort of stuff. Um, so I, I, I see him as, as really good uh, in there. He's, he certainly doesn't profile as a rush end. Uh, right. where he's like some sort of quick twitch guy. But again, in the 3-4, that's not as much the D-line as it is the linebackers or the 3-4 linebackers. Yeah, and and look, I, I think that the size gives you a ton of flexibility. And and look, they have some guys on the on the roster already that can, can rush the passer. And I think this is more building that quality SEC depth that we talk about all the time on the show. And how you got to look like an SEC roster and these two guys at six, six, you know, one's three thirty, one's two seventy five, maybe closer to two eighty. That's the type of size that you need up front to really stop the run and, and force people into those third and long situations. And they're, they're, they're starting to get there with what they're building up front. I mean, these two guys, I just, you know, I just mentioned those are some bookend type defensive linemen. I, that's what you, you want those guys to get off the bus because they're huge and they're talented and, and, and they're not just, you know, standstill guys that are just going to clog the middle. Um, you mentioned Xavier Harris is, is actually pretty quick for a big fella and same with Clayton. So those two uh, up front defensively are huge additions uh, to this recruiting class. Uh, switching over to offense, um, a couple offensive linemen joined the 2022 class. Uh, Preston Cushman and Timmy Gagafine. Um, I think it's I actually think Cush- Gagafian. Gagafian? Okay. I, I think um, that's right. Uh, so uh, says Google. Okay. That, I mean, yeah. you're probably right. I, I haven't um, no, I I mean, reached out to him to, to get the proper pronunciation, but yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it's probably best to make sure I do say it right because uh, <laughs> Timmy, Timmy is 6'7", 290. Um, so he's a big fella. And then, you know, not to diminish um, – Timmy's commitment because I do think that he is somebody that the staff evaluated, offered, and really pushed for. And um, you know, Tennessee was in there with the uh, with Ole Miss and um, the in-state or, or excuse me, the the uh, I guess I should say the the in in-state uh, hometown school, if you will. Houston was recruiting him pretty hard, um, but he joined the 2022 class. He is extremely big he plays right tackle in high school it's probably where he'll end up at the next level but um another guy that's that's very very um it, it just kind of fits the mold of what you want in a tackle in power five football he has really good feet um he's got that mean streak that you like and he shows the ability to get to the second level with ease but um i think the guy that a lot of people are excited about preston cushman um, from Clearwater, he came uh, for an unofficial visit. Um, Ole Miss has been doing these private workouts at uh, their uh, camps where it's basically you can choose to compete uh, in the regular camp setting with uh, all the other camp attendees. And or I guess you could do both. Um, you could also do a private workout where I guess that's an invite only type deal where if the staff wants to evaluate you um, solo, you know, hands on, uh, you can do that. Uh, and, and Preston did that with uh, new offensive line coach Jake Thornton um, and the rest of the staff liked what they saw. He was there with his family. They really enjoyed Oxford. But then Florida came calling 
gave him an offer almost immediately when he was on campus for his unofficial visit in Gainesville. I think a lot of people thought that the Gators and Dan Mullen were going to kind of swipe him away from Ole Miss, but um, credit to Jake Thornton and the staff for um, really honing in on him and, and making him feel like a, uh, you know, a high priority. Um, but again, another huge guy, 6'5", 281. Um, he's being recruited as a tackle despite being listed as a center. Um, but again, he's somebody that gives you a lot of flexibility. He can play guard, he can play tackle, um, but just a huge, huge, huge human that is added to this uh, class. But um, I don't know how much film you've seen on him, but I, I like what I've seen uh, in game and in camps. Uh, I have no idea how to evaluate offensive linemen. Um, I, I think that for me, what sold it is that he, he's from Florida and he has a Florida offer. Uh, I just think that matters. Um, and yeah, absolutely. it kind of doesn't really make a huge difference to me about a lot of the other things. Also offensive linemen, in my opinion, again, as someone who doesn't know how to begin evaluating them, it seems like so often we see like more than any other position that like three stars and four stars and whoever else like ends up being really good. And uh, I know the, I know the rankings all matter and like five stars are more likely to get drafted than four stars and three stars. But like we have made a living off of seeing three star offensive linemen that grow to be major contributors in a really solid way. Um, I would say that uh, of about Timmy Gagafian, uh, he's a 5.7 three star. So he's very close to to that four star range. I've I've heard you say on other podcasts that uh, you know a lot of times a class is made by those five point seven three stars because they're not like quite as. <laughs> I know it's funny to even think of it this way, as if the coaches think of 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 stars, which I don't think many of them do. Um, but what ends up happening is that if they get the evaluation right and it's a, that they rank somebody as a 5.7, then that means that the coaches have, you know, not pursued them at the same, uh, pace or whatever. And so, uh, you know, Ole Miss is able to nab a bunch of those 5.7s. Well, you know, they, they're essentially four stars or fringe four star players. And a lot of times those guys end up kind of panning out to at least at the very least be contributors. Right. And, you know, a lot of those 5.7 guys, it's a combination of, you know, maybe they, they haven't put a ton of film out there. Um, maybe they didn't go to a lot of camps. Maybe um, <clears throat> you know, it, it can be any number of things. But those are those fringe guys that um, the services think, you know, hey, we, we really like this prospect, but we're just not 100% sure that they're in the four-star category which again is, you know, not the worst thing. I mean, there's been 5.7, three stars that have littered almost rosters that like you mentioned have gone on to, to be, you know, all Americans be extremely productive and gone on to play in the NFL. Um, and then to your point about the offensive line, I mean, there's a couple guys on the roster right now that are in that same category with Ben Brown, um, you know, Nick Broker, Jeremy James, um, I mean, the list goes on and on with some of the evaluations that have happened recently with uh, the current and the former staff where they have been able to uh, sign guys that are really productive after a redshirt year. or They've gotten in uh, some game reps and have been able to, to learn on the fly. So, yeah, the 5.7 three stars are never really the worst thing. But then, you know, talking about Cushman and I think to your point about how, look, he's from Florida and the Gators wanted him. I mean, I think that's all you need right there. Um, Dan Mullen and that staff are as good as anybody in the SEC and in the country. And if they've evaluated him and wanted him and you're able to beat them, um, being that he's from Clearwater, I mean, that's, that's really all you need right there. So 
That's, yeah, I mean, uh, that's, that's not a, to say that he will definitely pan out or something like that, but like it makes sense sure. that you know he's he's worthwhile going after. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a couple more guys we can talk about before we uh, head to the break. Um, I think you know talking about looking at somebody that's from a certain state and if a big Power Five in-state school wants them and you are able to beat them out, that's a huge thing. Another thing that that I think, and especially after a year of COVID, where there were no in-person evaluations. There were no visits. It was extremely hard to actually do anything outside of just looking at a huddle tape. Camp offers now are as big as ever. And two guys that joined the 2022 class that were camp offers that I think have really um, made some waves when they were in Oxford for for camps. Uh, Kyron Heath, the tight end out of Texas, and then Reginald Hughes, the linebacker from Northeast Mississippi Community College. Um, uh, Talking about Hughes, I mean, 6'2", 230, and uh, he ran in the 4'5s reportedly when he was on campus for a camp, and they immediately offered him. I mean, at, at that size and being able to run at that, at that rate of speed, uh, you can't teach that. So that was um, you know, kind of one of those in-person camp offers that was huge. And then going back to Heath, I mean, 6'4", 234, they saw him in person. Um, John David Baker, the new tight ends coach, liked him enough to give him an offer and uh, he wanted to commit and they, they accepted it. So I think that that's kind of where you just trust the staff, that they know what they want and how it fits the offense or the defense. And I think those two those two pickups were pretty big. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that, you know, they're, uh, like you said, Reginald Hughes is supposed to be sort of a fast twitch kind of guy, uh, which is has been somewhat lacking at linebacker at Ole Miss. Um, and Kyron Heath is just another pass catching threat uh, at tight end, which is awesome. Um, but to, to your larger point about uh, camp offers, I think that, uh, you know, one, I, I place a huge value in a guy who comes and works out and gets an offer. I think that uh, I don't really want to, I don't pay nearly as much attention to anything that. Uh, we can see, right, like stars or offer, or even offers or anything like that. Like those guys came, they put it on the line and they worked out and the coaches got to see them in person and decided they wanted to offer them. Like that's not mm-hmm. film. That's not, you know, to me, that's like the rawest way. And, and honestly, and maybe this is a question, like if you were a coach, would you be a little bit like, I guess, irked or maybe like standoffish if a guy that you kind of wanted, maybe he even had like an offer that was not quite committable because you had somebody above him. But like, you know, he's very much a like in contention kind of player. If he refused to work out. Uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe a little bit. Um, I mean, especially. I and the, that's, uh, you know, that's kind of what we, we say all the time. Like, that's that's certainly something you could do. Um, I, I wouldn't really recommend doing that. I don't know why. If, if a staff is obviously interested in you enough to invite you to come down, I mean, I feel like that's like the open trial. Like, that's the open audition to potentially get an offer to join the, the recruiting class. And I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that that – I wouldn't say it's a red flag, but it's certainly – you know, raises some eyebrows if you get invited and you're like, no, I'm not going to work out. Um, right. That, that, that's a little odd. Yeah. Like I think if my play on the field has proven it, like, no, it hasn't, dude. Work out right now. 
Yeah, I mean, if if it did, you would have already gotten an offer. So yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. At that point, you might as well. I mean, what? I mean, it, I guess you could say the only thing you have to lose is to not get an offer, but you didn't have it already. So, um, so yeah, that's a <laughs> that's certainly a, an interesting way to go about things. But um, all right, we're gonna we're gonna take a break here. Um, hear from the rest of our sponsors. When we come back, we'll kind of talk about some things we're looking forward to um, as the dead period comes to a close here um, in, I guess, a week. Yeah, seven days. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about Coach Yo and uh, a big uh, addition to their recruiting class. So hang tight. We'll be right back. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments Part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something the place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station Bourbon, a very small batch high rye bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. 
It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Hewling Station stands alone in its category of high-rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Hewling Station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Hewling Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share SIP responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here on Podcast Rebellion with Juco All-American talking recruiting. Um, I guess, Juco, the, the thing we can kind of go to next um, with the dead period being over uh, at the end of the month, um, Ole Miss is planning on doing a rather large gathering for a uh, cookout, fish fry, you know, block party, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to have uh, some more visitors come in town. Um, the biggest one, and we are – uh, if I look at the clock here, we are 21 minutes into a podcast and we have yet to mention him. That's got to be a record. Um, and I guess good on us, but uh, one uh, Arch Manning is going to be in town. Uh, the 2023 five-star, um, the nephew of um, Eli Manning, who played at Ole Miss, and uh, the grandson of Archie Manning, who also played at Ole Miss, and the son of Cooper Manning. Um, big time Ole Miss alum, played at Ole Miss. Uh, I... I don't know. I mean, I feel like this this recruitment is in this weird, like limbo, purgatory. Um, I guess I, I can't remember the term they used in uh, Interstellar, but um, yeah, it's this, just this weird spot where it's it's so far away from being over, but it's also kind of close to being wrapped up because I feel like he's going to make a decision at some point probably by the end of the year, maybe at the start of 2022, just to kind of get into a class and establish himself and then start recruiting to that class. Um, but with that long-winded intro, I guess, what, what are your thoughts on Arch Manning's recruitment? I guess, what have you been hearing? Who do you think is in the mix um, and that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I think that uh, like my dad always wants to talk to me about, or no, I'm somebody else. I can't remember who it is. Always wants to talk to me about Arch Manning. Um, and uh, I think that it's funny. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know him. Uh, I had always heard that he grew up a very legit Ole Miss fan, not just like, you know, coming to the games because his dad went there or something like that. Um, and I, I, a significant part of me feels like that has a good chance to win out. Um, but we keep hearing 
seeing reports from national writers that like don't even mention Ole Miss as you know uh, a possible destination, which it may not be. Like I, I, I don't really know. Um, I to the broader point, like certainly Arch Manning's awesome. I hope that he signs with Ole Miss um, and all that. I think that I just wish he would make a decision either way now. Um, I know you said that he would wait and it makes sense, right? He's like entering his junior year of high school. Um, mm-hmm. but it would be so helpful. Like you have to think that in some way, this staff's inability to get a player to sign a quarterback to sign so far this year, when everyone knows Matt Corral is not going to be the quarterback next year, right? Like Matt Corral is, unless something goes yeah. terribly wrong, he's going pro. As- yeah, I was going to say, best case scenario, you do not want Matt Corral on the roster next year because that meant that Ole Miss had a very good 2021 season. Right. And so uh, maybe this is a stretch, but I have to think that the looming recruitment of Archie Man- Ar- Archie Arch Manning is somehow playing a factor in the staff's inability to convince quality quarterbacks to sign with Ole Miss at the moment. Uh, I-, I don't know if that's like rational uh, but it doesn't make sense that this high powered offense that they've shown over and over again is incredibly quarterback friendly and will produce awesome results and doesn't have an inbound starter, uh, can't lure some high quality quarterback to be able to sign. Um, now I, I would, I, I, I say all that actually with also the point that. I actually think that Ole Miss is going to be a really popular quarterback transfer destination uh, next year. Sure. So, you know, it it may be less of a concern, but yeah, kind of strange. Yeah, and and you know, I would also kind of just to kind of go on the other side of of what you're saying, and I think that that's th- those are excellent points. Um, to where it's like, hey, what w- what's the deal? Like Matt Corral led the country in yards per game. Lane Kiffin's the head coach. Jeff Levy is the offensive coordinator, probably the hottest coordinator name in college football right now. He's just, you know, any moment now, probably going to be a head coach somewhere. Um, I'll say this. I think there, there are a combination of things that are at play here with how they're being extremely patient and diligent in how they evaluate who they want. I think with, I, I think people have already forgotten about Luke Altmaier. Four-star quarterback, was Elite 11 finalist. He's on the roster. I think that they have liked what they've seen from him early on. Um, so he's at play. Um, you know, he could very well step in for Matt Corral next year um, after, you know, a, a year in the system, learning the offense, kind of learning what they want him to do. And then, you know, from the – I guess from the recruiting side of things – I think it's very obvious that their number one target is Justin Martin out of Inglewood, California, and and he's currently committed to Cal. So, um, you, you know, those flips um, don't really happen as quickly um, across the board as, as they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that they're being, you know, very careful with how they pursue him. You know, you don't want to rub a kid the wrong way, but you know, hey, like, when are you going to flip? Like, what's the holdup? Like, why are you not joining our, you know, you don't want to do that because I think the kid is legitimately torn. I think he had an excellent time when he was in Oxford. Uh, he came in town when um, it was Pro Bowl weekend. He got to see Ole Miss baseball. He got to see Swayze Field. He hung out with Matt Corral and, and him and his father both really liked Oxford. It was the first time that they had 
been in the South, you know, an actual trip in the South. They said they really liked Oxford and said that everybody was great and super nice. Um, but yeah, so I think that it, kind of a couple number of things and look, I mean, I, I don't know, I haven't asked Justin, but maybe there's some hesitation there because Arch Manning is looming in that 2023 class. So, um, there's a lot of variables at play here with that position, but I mean, uh, kind of, you know, maybe already walking back what I just said, elite quarterbacks aren't scared of competition. They're going to go somewhere yeah, regardless so- of who's on the roster. So. So that's actually like your point about Luke Altmeyer. I actually agree. Like I think Luke Altmeyer could end up being a really good quarterback at Ole Miss. Uh, and even like Kincaid Dent, I'm not ready to like make a call either way. I think that a lot of people saw his final stat line in the Grove Bowl, which was not good. Uh, but oh, I think a, a lot of that was just like no good receivers. It was all walk-ons. Uh, and I liked some of the things I saw from him. Anyway, uh, all that is to say no current recruit – should be especially scared off by a freshman who is likely to redshirt, right? Like mm-hmm. that is just elite or maybe not even elite major programs are not supposed to have to deal, have to deal with that. Like it'd be one thing yeah. if it was like Luke Altmaier was the number one player in the country and he's redshirting because Matt Corral is Matt Corral. And so like, you know, everyone kind of knows that it's going to be his show. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's not the case. Like Altmaier was a was a four star, highly thought of player, but not in this like Trevor Lawrence kind of way, right? Um, and I guess just kind of looking at you know the other suitors around the country that are pursuing Arch Manning. I mean, you've got Texas; they already have a uh, a five star quarterback in their class right now, Malik Murphy, that's out of California. Um, Clemson's involved, and they've got. Um, quite the precarious situation um, to handle themselves with um, with Bubba Chandler, who um, was kind of a three-star fringe four-star that burst onto the scene and they signed him. Well, he was drafted in the third round of the MLB draft this week. So he's got a, uh, a decision to make himself. You know, does he, does he want to go to Clemson and play football or does he want to go play for the Pirates? So um, if he were to stick with Clemson and, and go to school to uh, to play football, then that's something that, you know, Arch Manning is going to have to look at when making his decision. So, um, yeah, elite quarterbacks don't care who's on the roster. But again, it's something that you have to look at when evaluating all of your potential suitors. So um, we'll see. Um, it, it's It's always a good thing when you have highly rated recruits on campus at the same time. Arch Manning being on campus at the end of the month in Oxford along with, you know, several other big time 2022 and 2023 prospects. I mean, you, you can't, um, you can't hate that. Uh, I mean, I think there's going to be some, some big time in-state guys, um, another um, out-of-state guy that uh, is scheduled to be in town, Le'Veon Moss, currently committed to Alabama. He's a big time running back out of Baton Rouge. Um, he's going to be in town. And then you're going to have, you know, Kamari Rogers, the, four-star corner out of Mississippi that's committed to Miami. He will be in town. Uh, Jaheim Otis, the uh, gargantuan defensive tackle from Columbia. He's committed to Alabama. He will be in town. Um, I expect Ole Miss to be all over him until National Signing Day. Yeah. Um, his former high school teammate, Kentrell Bullock, is on the roster in Oxford. So a lot of pieces there, and I don't think that that recruitment is over at all, um, even though he is committed to Alabama. So it's going to be a big weekend for this staff. I mean, I, you and I have talked about it 
you know, dozens of times during the COVID year. And it's like, man, just want to see what the staff can do when, when they can actually have people on campus and can get face to face and sell the product. And we're starting to see them reap the rewards of that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that we're seeing an incredibly high caliber of player uh, visiting over and over again. seems like every few days it's like, oh, this four-star guy was on campus with his parents on an unofficial visit, uh, you know, which is not something that we were accustomed to under the previous coaching. Even, you know, Hugh Freeze, like, uh, obviously we recruited well at least one or two years uh, under Hugh Freeze, but um, it wasn't like a nonstop a gazillion four-star players. It was like they would quickly identify the, like, I don't know, 10 to 15 players they really should be targeting. And then they would kind of fill in gaps with here and there. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas this just seems to be like, oh, this dude from New Jersey came down. This guy from Nevada is in town for a three-day weekend. And like, I just don't remember that being the case uh, under, under any previous staff. Yeah, and I know that, you know, people might gripe and say, you know, okay, well, they're visiting, but like, they're not committing. It doesn't well, matter. Sure. <laughs> I mean, of course you want all the four and five star guys that show up to commit on the spot, but look, I mean, getting them on campus is, is I would argue half or more than half the battle. And you mentioned the key word there and you were just talking there unofficial. That that's a huge, huge, huge word to, to look at because unofficial means that they're paying their own way to come. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with how recruiting works, you know, unofficial or an official visit, school pays your way, pays for all of your room and board, your travel, all of that. Unofficial is you're, you're paying your, it's coming out of your pocket. You know, your parents, your grandmother, your aunt, whatever, the recruit himself, you know, himself is paying. I mean, that takes a lot. I mean, that takes effort. That takes time out of their day when they're, you know, traveling, playing seven on seven or, you know, lifting weights or, you know, doing you know, anything, what have you. I mean, that's a huge deal. And this staff has been able to get big time prospect after big time prospect in town. And, you know, it's only, you know, halfway through July. And I think, you know, the underlying theme for this class is what this team does on the field. And if it kind of goes the way that I think you and I both expect it to go, it's only going to help this 2022 class kind of, you know, come, I guess, like to, I'm trying to think of the, the term, but kind of come to form, if you will. Like it, yeah. it's with a, with a good, you know, eight and four, nine and three type season, it's going to sell itself. Well, and it seems like uh, you probably agree with this. The 2023 class is like a next step kind of class where. Uh, yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe that starts right. with Arch. It, it might. <laughs> you never know. Um, all right, before we before we dip out of here, I know that we want to touch on uh, what Coach Yo and the Ole Miss women's team has done. Um, they have not really slowed down on the recruiting trail. They've got a ton of pieces coming back from that NIT final um, team a year ago that was just so close to breaking through and getting to the tournament. Um, made a phenomenal run in the NIT. And I think that you and I both thought that they were going to, you know, mess around and win the whole damn thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Ran into a really good, I'm I'm 
drawing a complete Rice. blank on Rice. It was yeah. Rice. It was a, they had that six nine center that was just like was, okay in, in women's basketball six nine center is like uh, well yeah. guess guess we it lose a really good Rice team and yeah. uh, just kind of got overmatched and uh, maybe a little fatigue after playing so many games in a row but um, I, it's a huge year that they're going to build off of and. Um, Coach Yo and them just kind of kept things rolling uh, with the commitment from Ayana Thompson, a guard out of DeSoto, Texas, uh, top 100 player, 32nd ranked guard in the country. Um, you know, just kind of, you know, what have you heard about her game and then kind of where do they go from here in terms of rounding out this class? Yeah. Um, so I think that Ayana Thompson is, so she's 6'1", uh, which is certainly tall for a typical guard in in women's basketball um she is seen as like a wing slash if they're good if they're okay with going small for a while at the four she can really be a mismatch as a stretch four. um she so her finalists are because she named a top four of I'm trying to remember exactly kentucky florida i'm actually i have to have it pulled up uh, Kentucky, Florida, Arizona State, and Ole Miss back in January, uh, and then S- Mississippi State offered in April, um, and she committed on July second to Ole Miss, uh, which is a huge get. Uh, you know, she just continues mm-hmm. Coach O's pace, uh, and there are a number of other players that uh, Coach O is going after. I guess the biggest name is uh, Tony Morgan, who let me actually look her up. Uh, she's a top 25 player. She's a point guard uh, from Tallahassee. And she was actually on campus the last week of June. Uh, she left without at least publicly committing. I, I have no mm-hmm. idea. I don't say publicly like to tease that she might have privately. I just don't know. Um, but, you know, she's at least, uh, you know, in strong consideration. She's the number 23 player in the country. That's it. Uh, and she's a 5'10 point guard. Um, she's known as being like super explosive and, you know, fast and, uh, thrives in transition. But uh, one thing that this is, you also, I was looking, I was going to say, ahead. I was looking at her, her profile on ESPN and I love this phrase, a speed merchant with a scores mentality. That's, that's great. <laughs> that's I've a description of Dacian Ruffin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, one thing that you didn't mention, I, I think we've all we've talked about it on a podcast before, but it was it was a while ago. Um, not only do they return everyone of consequence from last year's team, uh, but they also signed two transfers who were uh, all conference from the conferences that they came from. So like uh, Lashonda Monk, who's a point a defensive point guard, was the defensive player of the year two years in a row uh, for the Big East, and uh, what's her name? Anita Baker was uh, first team all. I guess it's Horizon. That's uh, that's Wright State, and she's mm-hmm. the one who obl- she's the one who obliterated Arkansas somewhat single handedly in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, so they both transferred over uh, and are essentially primed to push starters out uh, to to bench players. But those starters are also coming back. So. It's like take a team that was already pretty good, got nipped by COVID at the wrong time. Uh, for a young team, they missed basically their entire non-conference slate uh, because they had enough players' contra- contract trace, contact trace, and they didn't really gel until later in the year when they went on a tear. And so you you add 
these two starters, or I, I should say starters, likely starters to the mix, mm-hmm. uh, to an already strong team. And then you see recruiting still going well. It's kind of like, okay, well, you know, this could become, this could be a thing, like a long-term thing and not just a like, oh, she happened to sign a good player and, you know, they did well while that player was there kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe we did a podcast a couple months ago and talked about those impact transfers. But, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's huge that you're not only getting these players that are transferring in that can play immediately. I mean, they're plug and play. They have, you know, either whether it's power five or they have legitimate playing experience. And then you're going along with the nucleus that you have from that NIT final team. I mean, Shakira Austin coming back is huge. And then just everybody that they had that whether they were true freshmen or they were red shirt or sophomore, I mean, the entire roster, you know, I mean, not the entire roster, but a good number of the impact players from last year coming back and you're adding impact transfers and you're still continuing to recruit at a high level. I mean, the trajectory of the program is already just really starting to peak. And it's just, look, I, I know that, women's basketball is not something that everyone is just absolutely dialed into, but it's hard not to be somewhat excited or super excited about what coach Joe and that staff has been able to do in such a short amount of time. Yeah. I mean, I like supporting teams that win and it seems like they're going to win. So (laughs) winning is, you don't get many opportunities to be a bandwagon fan as an Ole Miss fan. So might as well jump aboard. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, a couple years ago when the softball team made their run to the Super Regionals and they were super fun and they had a ton of personality. I mean, this is kind of that same kind of identity here with Coach Yo. And I mean, she's just, I mean, it's, it's it's no mistake. It's no coincidence that these high level players are gravitating towards her because she's incredibly likable. Um, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen outside of her coaching and being intense. I mean, she's always smiling. She's always positive. She really knows how to, I mean, I mean, honestly, like right now with, with what Lane Kiffin and Coach Yo do on social media, I mean, two of the best in the business at it. I mean, yeah. they, they know exactly what buttons to push. And I mean, it, it's not a, you know, big three sport. It's kind of a niche sport, but I mean, you, you can't complain with who you have leading that program right now because she's just done a phenomenal job. So at this point, it's like, hey, like what's next? Like, let's see what the next step is because they're poised for a big year in a conference that, you know, again, it's a niche sport, but the SEC in basketball is as good as it gets. Yeah. I mean, one other thing, uh, you know, it seems like the next big hurdle, certainly this class matters. Uh, I mentioned Tony Morgan. There are other players they're in on that sort of thing. But uh, in the 2023 class, the number seven player in the country, Madison Booker, uh, goes to Germantown High School in Madison, Mississippi. And, uh, you know, if if Coach Yo could pull her, uh, and she is being obviously recruited by Ole Miss along with a bazillion other uh, programs, if Coach Yo could pull her, like that's program yeah, defining. Yeah, six one wing who's a five star. Um, you know, ESPN has her listed um, athletic perimeter performer with off the charts potential, quick leaper, active off the glass, rebounds and attacks the defense in the transition game. And I mean, that's kind of what this team needs because 
I, I think with what <clears throat> with what they have on the roster already, it is really kind of what Coach Yo wants to do. Like they want to defend. Like that's that's oh, their yeah. whole mantra is just to be nasty defensively. They have a ton of length. They, they're really athletic in the front court, but they may need to start piecing in those really explosive guards who can get out and run and transition and you can defend in the half court. I mean, that's just, you know, kind of one of those where it's like, okay, how, how, how do you beat them? Because they yeah, can do it Yeah, I mean, they, they essentially want to get to the point where teams hate playing them and not just because they'll lose. Like, they hate yeah. playing them because they're going to have to, they're going to be pestered the entire game. Yeah, it's the old Nick Saban, you know, make his ass quit type deal. Right. Where it's like, not only are we going to beat you, but like you're going to absolutely dread the next 60 minutes or the next four hours or whatever it might be. So, um, I mean, like I said, the trajectory is definitely going in the right direction. And um, I mean, it, it's fun. It's fun to keep up with them. I mean, I, you know, we, we both enjoy recruiting. And look, I mean, what's not to like when your women's basketball team is recruiting top 100 players? So, right. Um, it's been fun to keep up with. And uh, yeah, we're definitely going to keep checking back in as the year goes on. Um, before we go, do you have anything else, Juco? Anything we missed? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, we'll do this again. Like I said, the big uh, cookout unofficial visit weekend at the end of the month, once the dead period is up, uh, we'll uh, circle back and, and kind of recap who showed up and uh, kind of who turned heads, who the staff is really focusing on as uh, fall camp gets going. And then, like I said, before we know it, it'll be Labor Day and the Revs will be in Atlanta taking on Louisville. So, until then, um, for Juco over there, I'm Zach. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Davis McCord State Farm and Transamerica Insurance and the rest of our lovely sponsors for making this show possible. Until next time, we out.